COVID-19, I like to say that malicious actors, cyber criminals, like they'll always take advantage of a good disaster. Typically, disasters have been limited to regions. They've been limited to countries or subparts of countries. So, so we've seen for a number of years, focused efforts around getting to payment systems, depending on, on how the government facilitates those, scams, fraud, malware associated with it. And so what happened with COVID-19? COVID-19 gave cyber criminals and malicious actors a huge pool of people to send emails to because we were all affected. So, so what we've seen is a massive rise in the volume of, of COVID phishing-related attacks, domains, hundreds of domains in some cases have been spun up. You know, people started spoofing Zoom. They were, they were spoofing government uh, websites like the NHS. With what purposes? Well, I want to gather the data. And then ultimately, um, I want to be able to get a return on investment on that. So high amounts of ransomware, high amounts of social engineering via email, trying to get people's information. And it's a hard thing that all of the world had to go through at once. And, and the other compounding factor to that is we sent everybody home. So a lot of visibility was lost. The UK reports, you know, 70% of the responders to the survey said that they lost visibility, which is bad because we know the attackers are becoming way more sophisticated on the endpoint. That's where the innovation's occurring. And so teams are moving to close those gaps to help. But some of that has led to people getting fished that probably wouldn't have been fished before. With people who can working from home, there's been a huge gap in security that bad actors have just walked through. You know, I think what you'll see probably over the next year, because incident response still takes too long, uh, we still don't have the tools that we need and, and it takes a while to put, the, put that picture together, right? In some cases, months, in some cases, uh, years. So I think what we'll see is a, a trailing effect of COVID, which, which are a lot of breaches that we don't know about that have occurred. As teams start to bring people back into the office, as they start to push the, their traditional perimeter security out to the endpoints that they now have from people working at home, we'll, we'll see a bunch of that stuff. And, and, and yeah, I think it's, uh, it's pretty correct to say that blending home networks that were based around gaming and content streaming to business networks uh, is a problem, especially when you look at some of the underlying issues with home routers not being protected. Um, we, we've seen nation states target those for a number of years. And so what, what I like to say is people should treat their communication flows as if they're suspect, being monitored, and being infiltrated. And then you can build your defenses around that. So what do I mean? Um, application transport layer security is great. Uh, VPNs, great. Uh, good, all, all good effective mechanisms to help combat those man-in-the-middle attacks, you know, and then being able to, to sniff all the network traffic and figure out what's going on. Well, it used to be said, and I suppose it probably is a truism, that there are two types of company, those that have been hacked and those that don't know they've been hacked. Let's move back from the immediate past and the current situation of, of COVID-19. What are the more general trends that you've seen over the last 12 months in cybersecurity in the UK? One is just volume, right? And I think COVID has some to do with this. But a lot of these results came in, came in pre-COVID, right? So, so giant increase, uh, 98% uh, of the company said uh, the attack volume has increased, which starts to impact the fatigue of teams that they're already getting, the stress levels of the teams, the burnout levels. Uh, and so actually being able to just have a staff that's sized adequately to the, to the incoming number of new things. And then, of course, while commodity malware uh, is still doing what commodity malware is uh, done. What we're starting to see is like the classic verticals are breaking down. So when you say ransomware these days, 
Ransomware is exhibiting lots of wiper activity. It's doing credential harvesting. It's lap moving. So, so I think the traditional ways that security teams and vendors have built their tools to say, hey, we do a really good job at stopping Trojans. Trojans aren't exactly Trojans anymore. And so you see this massive blending of code out of the bad actors, right? So essentially what they want is they want a tool like Emotet is a good example of this. They want a malicious tool that bypasses most of the security tools that are out there. And then they can add in whatever components they want to that. So whether it's a ransom component, whether it's a, a lateral move component, credential harvesting, all that good stuff. So, so teams are still struggling with the basics. We, we see in the UK, OS vulnerabilities account for the highest number of breaches, which tells me that we still have a lot of unpatched things. So we got to get better about the, what I like to refer to as the cyber fundamentals. So patching, backups, being able to restore systems, um, and then thin those, uh, those operating systems out as much as possible. This is an ongoing and evolving situation. It's not a one and done. Do we liken this to a Cold War arms race? Yeah, uh, we, we talk a lot about that. It, it really is a, a cyber arms race, right? And so what you have is nation states developing uh, zero days, new sophisticated techniques. Uh, and then what happens is what I refer to as the trickle-down cyber economy. So, so lots of times uh, they don't get seen for a while. Nation states are able to take advantage of that. And then what happens? You have a tool like, a, like Eternal Blue that was developed by a nation state act, uh, action group uh, that is now baked into almost every piece of malware that you see. In fact, if you look at most of the pen test teams out there that issue reports for their top 10 techniques on how they break into companies, it's still, after WannaCry and after NotPetya, is one of the top ways that they're doing it. So, so again, going back to patching and, and operating system vulnerabilities, uh, it's a huge area. So, so yes, I think as nation states, we need to get together a bit and figure out what the rules of all of this are, because there is a whole lot of collateral damage going around right now. Uh, and it's impacting hospitals, it's impacting schools. Uh, and so I think uh, some more formal rules around cyber warfare would be nice for everyone. What do we do as companies, though? It's We have to invest in teams, we have to keep up to date, and we have to educate both our employees and our customers. But there is a limit to how much you can spend on this. The, nobody has a bottomless pocket. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I, I was a, a CISO for a number of years, struggled with starting with no budget to eventually building bigger, bigger and bigger budgets. But look, I think there are effective mechanisms that work that are proven. Sometimes it, it does take work. Looking at prevention strategies um, like application control and positive security models, there's work to do that up front. But down the road, it, pay, it pays for itself over and over again, right? So, so I think incorrect strategy for InfoSec is getting distracted by the latest sophisticated attack that occurs. I think a better approach is to start to look at the actual mechanisms that they use to breach your organization and focus around there. And I'll give you an example. What we see from almost every piece of malware and from every APT group is they want to do two things. They want to laterally move around your environment and they will facilitate that through your third-party supply chain using island hopping. But they also want your credentials. If I can prevent just those two things, 70% 70, 70 of all attacks perform those two techniques. If I have good defenses that can detect that, that can prevent that, well, awesome, uh, and I'm continually tuning it, I have a really good chance of, while I will be compromised, I have a really good chance of stopping the big headline uh, breaches. So, so I think there are some technologies to put in place that will, as best as they can, future-proof um, how you've built your security program. 
well, some of it almost is common sense. Yeah, and I, I would say that's true of um, any security, whether that's physical, real-world security. Uh, I know it's, it's a big deal in the UK to, to leave a bag just sitting around like that, that's going to be bad for you. Someone's probably going to show up. And so it's like, Hey, common sense out of um, people who are on the underground, like don't just leave a bag and walk off. That's, that's going to be, you know, pe- people are going to freak out about it. Maybe it's a false positive. The police show up, right? All of those things. So yeah, I think the same thing applies. The, the issue is it's not in people's faces like it is in the physical world right? Typically, um, it goes to the IT staff, they see it, it goes to information security, they see it, it goes to the executives. But in most cases, um, users are oblivious to the activity because that's what attackers want to do, right? And, and so I think, A, a general awareness that the internet is a bad neighborhood right now. And uh, having some awareness that when I'm in a bad neighborhood, I might want to be a little bit more aware. I might want to think about ensuring I stay in places with uh, street lights and all of those good things. I think the same still applies. Uh, and, and for the most part, that'll come through, uh, again, more interaction from humans with technology. We're confident as defenders now. We have way better tools. Uh, we can now see some, uh, uh, most of these nefarious techniques. So, so now the, uh, it's a matter of, can we rapidly get technology out to cover as many systems as we can and then um, start all lifting our boats together and, and uh, providing this collective defense? But no, I, I actually feel like the last couple of years we've hit a tipping point on the defender side. We were getting, we were getting um, knocked around a lot and now we've got a lot of self-defense techniques 